the series on Jesus's um, seven I am statements that's recorded for us in the book of John. And uh, I'm excited about this one um, because this, this I am statement that Jesus makes about himself shows truly who he is, why he came, the purpose of him coming. And also, if we understand this I am statement that Jesus says about himself, it really is a statement that he says, listen, when you understand these things about me, it will change everything about your life, who you are, your identity, what you're trusting, what your future is, um, what your purpose is in this life. And it's this statement that Jesus says that I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes unto the Father except through me. This is an incredible statement. And a lot of times, if, if you've heard that statement, and you've probably many times, maybe even at a funeral, you've heard John 14 spoken. And many times it's just a comforting, comforting passage that we see in the Gospel of John. But what I love about this statement is many times, if you hear someone teach on it, they teach on it from the point of view of, of Jesus is the only way to God, which he is. But what I want to do today for you is I want to take this passage and I want to show you the context of, of what Jesus said in the midst of this statement and when he said it, because it is so important, the timing of when Jesus said this and who he was saying it to and why he said it. And it's a little bit different twist, a little bit different understanding of this context. So what I want to do is I'm going to jump right into the scriptures today. And I want to look at John uh, chapter 14. I want to look at verses 1 through 6 here. And Jesus is speaking this to his disciples. He's comforting his disciples. And this is what he says to them. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. For in my father's house are many rooms, many mansions, many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. Aren't those some great words right there? Love this passage. And he goes, and I'm going there to prepare a place for you. Amen. Now, Jesus has been gone for 2,000 years. Can you imagine what that place looks like? I, I can't imagine what this place looks like, what heaven looks like, and, and the hope that we have for those who put their trust in Christ, and heaven awaits all those who put their trust in him. And he says in verse 3, he goes, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back to take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. And you know the way to the place where I'm going. And then Jesus makes this incredible statement. Thomas says to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how do we know the way? And then Jesus gives these comforting words to him. And he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes unto the Father except through me. Father God, I just pray this morning that we would find our hope in Jesus and Jesus alone. That these words, I believe, are some of the most comforting words in all the New Testament. Jesus revealed who he was. He revealed his identity. But Lord, also he revealed to us what we should trust. And how knowing Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life changes everything about us. It changes our identity. It changes what we're trusting. It changes our future. It changes our purpose. Lord, I just pray you would reveal your word to us today. And for those that are struggling, for those that are, are kind of a little lost today or maybe wondering what their purpose is, or, or maybe just struggling their life with, with depression and, Lord, just looking down at this world, I pray that you would become their life today, Jesus, that you would show them the way 
that you would show them that you're the truth today, that this is not just some benign statement that means nothing, but it means everything for those who put their trust in it. So do that for us today, I pray. Thank you for your word today. We give it full authority in this place. We believe it's perfect in every way and that it's your word to us, God. So may we know you more today, we pray. In Jesus' wonderful name, in Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said. So what I, want, what I want you to see here is that Jesus, through these I am statements, describes his identity. And so Jesus is not just claiming that, 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 that who he is, but that we can actually find everything in him. We can find our identity in him. And I, and I believe uh, that identity is probably one of the biggest struggles in our world today. Who am I and where do I fit in? Um, you know, it, it goes all the way back, right? It goes all the way back to the playground days, right? I don't know if you guys remember the playground days, but I remember our playground was probably the most unsafe place in town, right? The jungle gyms were about 40 feet high. Um, the slides had no support on it. The swings, you could swing up 30 feet in the air, and then they'd say, who can jump off this thing? Kids are breaking their legs. They're falling off the jungle gyms. And now you go there, and everything is, is padded on the ground. We didn't have that. We, we played on the concrete, right? Remember that? There's no, there's, no, there's no soft padding. You go now, and it's like, what is this stuff? You, could, you fall, and you bounce eight feet in the air off that stuff, right? Everything, it was different when I was a kid, right? We didn't, we didn't wear helmets when you rode your bike. What's a helmet, right? I know what some of you are thinking right now. Explains a lot, Pastor. Explains a lot. No helmets, right? And, and I remember back in those days, you're finding your identity, who you hung out with, what group you hung out with. Then you get into high school and you go in the cafeteria and you got all the groups that all break off into, you know, the geeks and the jocks and, you know, those that love sports and the popular people. And you have all these different things and you're all trying to fit in. And then, and then you get into college. Where am I going to go to school? What am I going to do with my life? What, you know, and, and all these things. We're trying to find who we are, where we are. We all try to find our identity in, in, in what we do. And so the question we need to ask ourselves is actually, what is shaping our identity? Because everything about this I am statement has to do with identity. Jesus says, this is who I am, and this is who I desire for you to be if you understand this. And I believe at the, at the core of this problem is that we're placing our identity, everything that, that, that we are, in the wrong source. And so why do we struggle with our identity. Jesus never struggled with his identity. He knew why he was here. He knew why he came. He knew what his purpose was because his identity was in his father and pleasing his father and doing the will of his father. His identity was in the right source. So why do we struggle so much with our identity? And I believe this. Here's, here's the answer. Are you ready? Anybody ready? Okay. Nobody. Okay, so here, here's, here's the big identity question. It says, our identity so often is attached to, 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 to what we do and how we want people to see us. It's really, it's really attached to what we do. So, so let, let me, let me, so it's, it's, it's what we do and, and how people perceive us. So let me explain it this way. So if I place my identity in my job, Right. If that's if, that, if that's everything about me is, is my job and how well I do and how successful I am. If I place my identity in my job, the problem comes when I make a mistake or I'm let go from my job. Now, what do I do? Because everything was placed in my job. Now I get let go or things change. They say now 
the average stay of somebody on a job. Back in the day, you stayed at the same job for years. My dad worked at Kodak, I don't know, close to probably 30 years, and he retired there. And many of you sitting here today, you're like, yeah, I was the same way. You say it's the same place. Now they're saying four or five or six years. That's it. And you move. It's much more transient today. So many people, you know, they're, they're trying to think, well, how do I recreate myself? I keep switching jobs. If I place my identity in being a parent, if, that, if that's where I place everything, everything is great until my kids make a mistake. And now we think people are going to judge me and they're going to believe that I'm not a good parent. See, if my identity is my kids, it's all fine and dandy until my kids do something wrong. And then I feel like are people going to judge me now? If I place my identity in living for my kids, that everything I do, everything I revolve my life around is for my kids and for their success. And I, you know, I want, I, 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 I want little Jimmy, little Susie to be the best that they can, right? They're a snowflake. They're perfect. There's nothing wrong with them, right? See, if we place all our identity living for our kids, when they grow up and leave the house, all of a sudden I realize I have no marriage. Now what do I do? If I place my identity in my achievements, and then all of a sudden the next moment I feel like a failure, I feel like I do well, then I do bad, because my identity is placed in how well I do, but then when I, when I fail at something, all of a sudden the rug is pulled out from underneath me. I was reading a couple stories about two athletes that I really love. One was Boris Becker, because he's, he's about my age. If you guys remember who Boris Becker was. He won Wimbledon. He was the youngest player to ever win Wimbledon in 1985. He actually won three of them. Won many major, major t- titles. Tennis player from Germany. And Boris Becker said after he won those Wimbledons, he said, he, he, he said I don't know what to even do with my life anymore. Here, here, he, here he, he had... The achievement, he, he was one of the best players ever to play the game, top player. And then he says, I don't know what else to do with my life. He lost his way for a while. Deion Sanders was one of the best cornerbacks to ever play the game. He played for Dallas. After winning a Super Bowl, he tells a story of getting in his car and he just had suicidal thoughts because he didn't know what to do. He goes, now I've created this achievement. And eventually that did bring him to the Lord. Uh, and, that, and that's great news. But it's like you have this achievement. You, you get to the height and it's like, well, what else is there? Because my identity was in these things, and these, these, these things didn't deliver. They didn't deliver. They still made me feel empty inside. For a young person today, it's very, very difficult for them to find their identity. I, I read this very interesting article about how technology and social media is the major force now in shaping our identity. This is crazy. Um, let me give you some things that I found about this article. I was reading this article, I found it very interesting um, how these things are shaping us. And the, the writer had some interesting thoughts. He said, in the past, much of our identity was shaped by our family, school, church activities, and sports. It was a very small circle. And everything was usually positive. And for the most part, it reinforced who we were. That circle was very small. But today, with social media... And literally, the world now in our back pocket with our smartphones, that small circle world has drastically changed. Let me tell you why. Here's how it's changed. Now we can have hundreds, even thousands, who can see and respond to my daily living, to my daily posts. 
Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat. I, I, I can share pictures and thoughts with friends in an instant and continually. And so the question is being asked, how is this actually shaping us? How is this affecting our identity? And what can happen is we can create a facade of what we want others to see in us, not who we really are. And so what social media ends up becoming, boy, it got really quiet. <laughs> You're like, okay, you got my attention now, Pastor. Because this affects all of us, let's be honest. See, social media, if we're not careful, our smartphones, if we're not careful, can become an escape for acceptance and popularity. How many people responded to me? How many likes did I receive? It's this instant gratification. Let me give you a little experiment with your phones, with your smartphones. Try putting it down for 15 minutes and not checking it. This thing has become a security blanket for so many people. And if we're not careful, when we make a post, it's like we've got to check. Actually, I've got on my Samsung, I've got a blinking light that lets me know green, I've got a text. Blue, I've got a message or an email that comes in. And I catch myself when it's even laying down there that I'm looking at it every five minutes. I'm like, oh, I got a green, I got a text. Right? How, how many of you know what I'm talking? Am I the only one here? Okay, you, everyone's like, boy, I got some in here, right? And what happens is I, I was like, yeah, can I put my phone away for 15 minutes and not even look at it? And what they're saying is this thing begins to shape our identity. And so we begin to base our identity off what other people are thinking about our posts or how many likes we get. And what happens is there's this instant gratification of, of there's something that is being fulfilled in my heart that, that supposedly is making me happy by the response that I get. See, what happens and what they're saying is very dangerous in this case is it actually is becoming a tool for my identity. But this will become an endless pit that can never be filled. So what I want to do is, is I'm going to look at where are we finding our identity. And I believe this saying of Jesus, I am statement that I'm the way, the truth, and life has everything to do with my identity. Now, let me just say this before I get hate mail and everybody's, I'm not saying that smartphones are of the devil and it's 666 on it and we need to throw them away and burn them. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. But here's what I am saying. I think they're a great tool, but here's what I am saying. Where are we gaining our identity from? Where is our trust? Where is our hope? Is it in the popularity of the likes that I get or how attached I am to this thing or how fulfilled I am? Because that, that can never happen. That will, that will never satisfy us. So, so this I am statement has everything to do with finding who we are in Christ. And what I want to do is I want to use this example because this I am statement is attached to Moses. And, and, and the reason why... Jesus gives these I am statements is because what he's actually doing is claiming that he is God. And this goes back to the Old Testament, to the book of Exodus, when God establishes his relationship with Moses. This is such a key example for us to understand because what God does is he takes Moses and he begins to shape him. And, and God begins to shape his identity to say, listen, Moses, unless, unless I have every part of you, you're not going to be able to lead my children out of the wilderness. And so I want you to see something here. Jesus 
in his I am statements is actually claiming to be the same God who spoke to Moses at the burning bush. The exact same God. And so this has everything to do with this I am statement that Jesus shares and that's recorded for us in the book of John. This encounter that God had with Moses would be life-changing for Moses. And here's the reason why. God's encounter with Moses would actually shape his identity. Unless God had his identity, unless Moses trusted completely in God for his strength, there would be no way possible he could ever lead the children out of Egypt and not the bondage of Egypt because, because Moses would struggle with who he is and what his purpose is. And so God at this meeting with him shows him what his identity is. And so what I want to look at is, is how God shaped his identity and how this attaches with Jesus' I am statement that I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And so Moses would never make it unless he knew who God was. And so in the book of Genesis, specifically, or in the book of Exodus, specifically chapter 3, Moses meets God and God speaks to him from a burning bush and tells Moses that he wants to deliver Israel from the Egyptians. Now, Moses is in the middle of the desert and, and God shows Moses who he is. He's at Mount Horeb. And so God, through this burning bush, speaks to Moses. So Moses sees this burning bush. He sees the bush speaking and it's God speaking to him. And so the first thing Moses says is recorded for us in scripture is Moses says, who am I? The first thing God says to Moses says, Moses says, who am I? I'm nothing. I'm out in the desert. I'm here because I killed somebody for 40 years. Moses is in the desert running away from Egypt because he killed someone. Because he killed a man who was treating a Hebrew slave poorly. He killed an Egyptian slave taskmaster. And so he runs away because he knew his life was in danger. So here he is in the desert all by himself, year after year after year. And God comes to him in the desert and speaks to him. And so Moses says, who am I? He didn't know who he was. Who am I? Very existential, isn't it? Who am I? Who are you? I don't know, right? Who am I? And this is what God says to Moses. This is who you are, ready? He didn't go to him, Moses, you're this great, wonderful leader. No, Moses is, is hiding in the desert. What does he say to him? This is the first thing he says to him. I will be with you. Well, that doesn't help me. What do you mean you'll be with me? That, that's not step A. That's not step number one. Well, what do you mean you will be with me? No, I want you to say good things about me. Like I'm going to be this great, awesome leader. God says, no, I'll be with you. You see, God wanted Moses to know that he didn't pick him because he was the best or because he had an Egyptian upbringing. God wanted Moses to know that no matter what, even when you mess up, which he would, and he did, God wanted him to know that he would be with him no matter what. And so then Moses, through this conversation, asked God, what, should I, what shall I say to the Israelites when they ask me, who is the name of the one who has sent you? What am I going to tell them? I have no credentials. I'm going to go back there. No one's going to know me. It's been 40 years. Who, what are they going to think? They're, who are they going to think? Who, who are you? Who do you think you are? He says, so what, what would I say? And here's how God responds. Are you ready? Mm, this is the pivotal point right here. 
God responds to Moses by telling him this. I am who I am. You tell them that I am has sent you. I am who I am. Isn't it interesting? That's the very same thing that Jesus says about himself. I am. I am the good shepherd. I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the gate. And so Jesus expresses his very same words as God expresses to Moses in the desert. So what God is telling Moses is, your identity now is tied to my identity. Your identity is not in who you are. Your identity is in who I am. Because if you don't get this right, you're going to struggle. You're going to struggle your whole life trying to figure out because you're going to fail miserably. You're going to make mistakes. And if your security is in who you are, guess what? You're going to struggle your whole life trying to figure out what your life is all about and who you are. It's not in being a great cornerback. It's not in being a great tennis player. It's not alone being a great dad or a mom. All those things are neat and great and fine. But if my whole identity is placed in those things, guess what? They're going to leave you empty every single time. You see, God wanted Moses' security to be tied to him, not to his abilities. Look it. God wanted Moses' security to be tied to him, not to his abilities. So Moses, I love this. Tim Tim Chester says this. Moses doesn't need to have higher self-esteem. He needed a greater sense of God's presence. See, what happens in our lives? We feel like, well, if I just feel better, if I get, if I get one more like, if, if, if I get to 1,000, I mean, 995 followers, if I get to 1,000 followers, I'll feel better. And then we get there and like, well, what if I got to 2,000? What if I get, it's never enough, isn't it? What if I get this job? What if I, what if I just make this much money? If I can make this much, then I can make this much. It's never enough. And so God could have stroked Moses that you're going to be great. You're going to be a great leader. You're going to do all these wonderful things, but that wouldn't be enough. It wasn't about building his esteem. It was about building God's presence in his life because that's the thing that was going to lead him through his life. The only approval Moses needed was God's period. Because guess what? He was not going to get the approval of the people he was leading. There were a bunch of whiners and complainers and wanted to turn back and they complained and they blamed Moses. Why have you let us out here? It was actually better in Egypt. Oh, it was better in Egypt and slavery. Oh, really? How soon you forget, right? Moses was going to have a lot of difficulty leading the children of Israel. And if his identity was not placed in God, he would have easily given up. Listen, listen, listen. If your identity is in your kids, in your marriage, in your successes, you're going to feel like giving up because something's going to happen in your life that's going to cause a downfall. If your identity is in God, the great I am says to you, I will be with you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. And all the ups and downs in your life, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. And this is what God is saying to Moses. Your identity is now attached 
to my identity. So when you tell them who sent you, say, I am sent you. Jehovah God has sent you. And I'm ready to lead you out. And I'm going to use Moses to be my leader to do that. I was in England in 1998 on a missions trip. With, I was a youth pastor then. I was leading a group there on a missions trip. We were able to go into schools and, and share the gospel. It was a really, really neat thing. They had school at the end of June and into July. And so we were able to go there and uh, minister to kids in the school. It was a really great opportunity. We had a great week. And our day off, we got to travel around London. And uh, it was really, it was really cool traveling around London. And I can remember um, going to uh, Buckingham Palace, and just a beautiful place. And I got thinking to myself, what if I uh, wanted to see the Queen? Right? And I just knocked on the, the gates there and said, "Hey, my name's Barton Gerace, and uh, I'd like to see the Queen." What do you think they're going to say? Who are you? I'm Barton. I'm Barton Gerace. <laughs> right? I want to see the queen. Sit down, have a little high tea with her. We'll eat some crumpets and have some biscuits and we'll have some crackers and cookies. And I just want to chat with her, see how she's doing. Do you think they're going to let me in? No way. They're going to say, we don't know you. She doesn't know you. And not everyone can just come and see the queen. So there's no way I'm going to see her. And I got thinking about this. Think about it for a moment. Even Kate Middleton, the princess, at age 15, guess what? She wouldn't have been able to see the queen either. They didn't know who she was. She'd have been sitting there, hey, Kate, what's up? I'm going to go see. Uh, you can't see her either, can I? What made all the difference for Kate Middleton? See, now she can. Why? Because she's married to Prince Williams. She now identifies as the wife of Prince William. And so now she can see her. See, Moses' identity would be in God, and that changes everything. Who should I tell them sent me? I am. Your identity is now in me. In fact, the translation for I am in the Hebrew language can also be translated, I will be, or I will be with you. This is a promise God gives to us that he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. And so what Jesus, when he uses this I am statement, that I'm the way, the truth, and the life, he says this, I am God, I will be with you, I will not leave you, and you can trust me. When Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. It's not some impersonal saying of Jesus, not some matter-of-fact statement. In fact, Jesus' declaration of being the way, the truth, and the life is a personal statement. I want you to notice who he's saying this to. He's not saying this to the teachers of the law, to the Pharisees, saying, hey, listen, this is who I am. I'm the way, the truth, and life. There's no one like me. He's saying it to his disciples who are hurting, who are hearing that he's going to leave them. Their hearts are troubled. And so what Jesus says to them is the same thing God says to Moses, I will be with you. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't put your identity in this world that so quickly Fading away, put your identity in me as being the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus' declaration is a personal statement. Jesus is saying, when you identify with me, you will gain everything. You gain truth. You gain life. 
You will find the right way for your life. Follow me. The timing of when Jesus shares this is so very interesting to me. Because Jesus shares this on the last night before, he, before his betrayal and his death. And what he's doing is he's actually through this statement is not making some declaration like, this is it. You know, listen to me, all you Pharisees and the teachers of the law. I'm it. I'm the only way, which he was. But he's making this declaration to his disciples because in a moment he's going to leave them. He's going to be betrayed. He's going to have a very wrong and faulty trial. He's going to die a horrible death on the cross. And so he shares with them and he's preparing his disciples of what would lie ahead. Jesus would leave them and they needed to know that he would be with them. Jesus shares with them his impending departure, which leads them to many questions. And they were worried and they were concerned and they're thinking, what will we do now? You see, the problem is they were putting their hope in the fact that he was the Messiah, that he would rescue them. See, and at that time, they still didn't understand that he needed to deliver them, that the reason for his coming was spiritual. And so what Jesus does is he begins to share some of the most comforting words in all of the New Testament. And so Jesus starts by saying, listen, don't let your hearts be troubled. Jesus told him, trust in me. He didn't give them all the details of what would happen in the next few days, but he did tell them that he would be with them. How could they trust him? How could they put their identity in him? And Jesus tells them, I will be your way. I will be your truth. I will be your life. Put your identity in me. In me, you will know the way. In me, you will know the truth. In me, you will find life. Nothing will take that away from you. Jesus comforts the disciples by telling them, I have a future for you. And until that time, I will be with you. So here is how the disciples would make it. It would have everything to do with their identity in Christ. And here is how we make it in this world. Because the world is constantly telling us how we're to look, how we're to dress. You got to like this. You got to like that. Constantly trying to form us and to mold us into this thing of trying to find our significance. And Jesus says, I want to mold you. I want to form you. I want to give you everything you need so your hearts will not be troubled by this world. So how does Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life change us? How does this change us? It, it changed everything for Moses in the way he led the Israelites. And us understanding how Jesus is the way, the truth, life changes everything about us. So how does this change us? Well, he, here's here's just a point I want to bring out. Our identity in Christ guarantees us a secure future. And so here's what Jesus is saying to them. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm going to prepare a place for you. So it secures our future. So that helps me to realize that this world isn't all that there is, that Jesus is actually preparing a place for me. There's a secure future. So let me just give you a couple things here in closing on how Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life changes everything about us. See, in Christ, when I am in Christ, we are guaranteed a future dwelling place. You don't have to worry about what happens after you die. Jesus is preparing a place for us. Isn't that comforting? I mean, 
knowing that there is a place that's prepared for us, that we will forever be with Jesus Christ. He secures our future. When my identity is in Christ, he secures my future. I don't know about you, but I hope that you're not putting your future and your security in your 401k. Right? Because that could be here one day and gone the next, right? The way the economy is up and down, up and down. If we're putting our future in our job and, and our retirement, those things could evaporate in an instant. But Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you and I will come back and I'm going to get you and you'll be with me. That's the hope that they needed. Put your hope in me. Yes, it's going to get rough. Your lives are going to be difficult, but don't let your hearts be troubled by what you see. Understand I'm preparing a place for you and nothing will ever change that. The second thing in Christ is what Jesus tells them through his I am statement is that I'm never going to leave you. And this is what Moses is secured of in God. I'm not going to leave you. I am with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. And so what Jesus says by leaving, he sends us his Holy Spirit to dwell in us, to be our comforter. Jesus is saying, take these truths and let them guide you in your life. And so the question we have to ask ourselves today, where am I struggling the most in my life? Because here's where it gets real, because this is where it becomes a struggle for us. Where is your fear today? Where, what is the thing that keeps you up at night? What is the thing that's in the back of your mind? What are you struggling with the most? Is it being a parent? Is it success? Is it looks? Is it how well your kids turn out? Is it your abilities? Is it your marriage? See, we have to get to the point in our lives where we get to the point where it, it doesn't matter how we succeed in these areas. If they become our identity, you'll never be satisfied. God simply tells Moses, I am. Tell them I am. Moses, I'll be with you. Who am I? I'll be with you, Moses. I'll be with you. That's all you need. That's all you need. I'll be with you. How many of you are like me? But I want to know the Wait a minute, God. Time out. Can you give me some points here? Can you give me some bullet points? on how this is all going to work out? Can, can you just show me and direct me and, and tell me A, B, and C so I know, and then subpoints and then sub-subpoints so that I know how... And God just simply says to us, I'm going to be with you. Are you depending on me? Is your strength in me? Is your identity in me? When you don't get all the likes that you get or someone disappoints you, does it shipwreck your life or are you in me? Is your identity in me? God says, I'll be with you. You see, don't view yourself through the lens of what others see in you. Because what that will end up doing is to drive you to be a people pleaser. And so what we end up doing is we end up living our lives to please others because for some reason that makes me feel better until I disappoint someone and then I feel bad about myself or someone's disappointed me or I didn't do a good enough job or blah, 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 blah. And we end up living our lives as people pleasers. And God says, listen, the only thing I, only thing I want from you is you to please me. 
Please me. I will be with you. You see, God views you through the lens of his son and what he accomplished for you. That's how God sees you. He doesn't see you through all your failures. He doesn't see you for, oh, you did really great here. God views you through his son and what Jesus Christ has already accomplished for you. In Christ, we find everything we've been looking for. And so what God does is, is he takes Moses, who's hiding out in the desert. I wouldn't call that a great leader. But God says to Moses, and he speaks to Moses, and he says, Moses, I want to use you to take all my children out of this bondage to lead them to the promised land. I want to use you. Was Moses perfect? No way. Did he make a lot of mistakes? You better believe it. Did he have a messy past? You better believe it. But in God, and his identity being in God changed everything. I'm going to give you the strength to do it. I'm going to give you the ability to do it. And more than anything else, people, when you disappoint them and you let them down, what's going to keep you going is not that, it's me. So here's the thing. As we close in prayer and we just, as we just end in worship today, listen, listen. Just think in yourself, think in your mind. When am I disappointed? When do I feel like a failure? When do I feel like my life's not going right? I guarantee if you were to trace all those things back, it has something to do with trying to please people and not pleasing the Lord. God says, come, humble yourself before me. Let me lift you up. Let me be the God that I need to be in your life. Think to yourself, when I do things and I don't get the accolades or I don't get the you know, thank yous, and I'm disappointed. People, well, why didn't they thank me? I did this, and how come they didn't thank me? I didn't get a thank you. Did you get a thank you? Did you see a thank you? No, I didn't get a thank you. Did you get a thank you? No, did, was there one in the mail? I don't know. Did they say thank you for that? Blah, 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 right? What are, we, what are we doing? What's my motivation? Is it looking for the accolades of people, or am I doing it to please God because my security is in Christ and Christ alone? And then when you serve the Lord, it's going to be out of a motivation because, Lord, I just want to serve you because you're with me and you love me and you gave everything for me and my gratitude is just to serve you. It's not about people anymore. It's about serving you, Jesus. It's about allowing you to be glorified in my life now. Find your identity in Jesus. Some of you are really struggling today with who you are and what your purpose is. Come to Christ. He's all you need. So, Lord, as we bow our hearts before you today, I thank you, Jesus, that you spoke these most incredible words to our hurting people, to people that were troubled. And Jesus, you said, listen, don't let your hearts be troubled. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father except through me. Everything is about me. Find your security and your trust in me. Everything you've been looking for is in me. This world will let you down. This world will trouble you. But I'm here to shape you and to give you hope and a purpose and structure your life in a way that gives you hope and security. So God, I just pray for every person here today that it just feels beat up, 
feels like they're not a good parent, feels like when they look at their past because of broken relationships or marriage, marriage that they feel like they've made so many mistakes. Lord, I pray today that you would show them that their identity is not in those things, that their identity is in you who restores, who redeems, who lifts us up. So God, help us not to place our, our identity and who we are and what we've done, God, but help us to put our identity and what Jesus Christ has already done for us. Give us that security today. And I just pray that for every single person who's just struggling today, they would find their life in you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us. Thank you for never giving up on us. Thank you for the promise that you, that you will never leave us or forsake us. You're perfect in every way, Jesus. And we love you and we thank you. And as we sing about your amazing grace today. May it fill our hearts that we have a God who first loved us, who constantly reaches out to us, who never gives up on us. So thank you for your grace today. In Jesus' wonderful name, in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and let's sing this amazing hymn and let's thank God for his grace today. God bless you.